what he's done and that song right before that because we've witnessed it we've witnessed it and the thing about a witness is not that you just saw something you also go tell about what you saw 
So I'm thankful today that we are witnesses of God's goodness. We are witnesses of, of God's love. And we can tell people, we didn't just see, we didn't just see God move in our lives. We've, we can tell people that he's done that. We don't need to be quiet about it. We need to shout it out and let people know I've witnessed God's goodness in my life and share that love with people because you were once lost and hurting and broken. You were that person that they are right now. And you've witnessed what God has done in your heart and in your life and in your family. So share that with people and give them the hope that we have in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father, let's just pray right now. Father, we thank you for who you are, God, and we have witnessed it, God, and we will speak of your goodness every day of our lives, Father. We will let people know what you have done. And God, it's too many things to remember, too many things to count, God. You have been with us and you are doing mighty things in our lives. Lord, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us of our sins, our shortcomings, our failures. God, we thank you for sending him. Lord, we thank you that death, what he did, he was not defeated by death, that he rose from the grave and he ascended back into heaven and he left us the power of the Holy Spirit to operate in every single day of our lives. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Say hello to four people around you. Shake their hand. Give them a hug. Amen, amen, amen. So good, so good, so good. One of these days, we're going to start shouting about what we're singing about. <laughs> Not be so reserved when we come in here. If you're a first-time guest, I won't embarrass you other than raise your hand real quick. If you're a first-time guest, just lift your hand up real quick so we can see you and appreciate you right here. Okay, anybody over here? We appreciate you being with us this morning and trying out Orchardville Church. It's a beautiful place to worship, uh, and we serve a great big God. And we have a lovely family here that, that does life together, so we appreciate you being here. If you'll fill out the card that's in that seat in front of you, uh, just turn it at the welcome desk. We have a gift for you. I've got an hour and 20 minutes to preach uh, within 35, so we'll see what happens. We're going to continue on. I told you 48 weeks now, now 47 left. I'm kind of kidding, I think. But part five this week on Sick of It. And again, if you haven't, if you're here for the very first time, you're like, I don't know what this means. It seems aggressive. Uh, there's four other weeks you can catch up on on our Facebook page and see all that. But this morning, I want to start off with a question. Do you know who you are in Jesus? Perfect. Not that many people said yes. <laughs> so go great today. Because a lot of us in here do not know who we are in Christ. We don't know it. People do not see themselves as God sees them, and I'm sick of it. Okay? Now, I was going to play some audio of my wife saying it, because Brylan recorded her. You never know when Brylan's around, if she's taking your picture or recording something, but... Sarah said something about, I'm sick of it, and Brian was recording it, and I was going to play that today, but I didn't. <laughs> but I probably will sometime in the coming weeks. 
she's on her way to Florida right now, so remember her in prayer as she goes to enjoy the beach with some girlfriends and her sister. So, and Bryland didn't want to go. Where's she at, Bryland? She wanted to stay with me. So, you know, we see who the favorite is. Just kidding, honey. All right, back to our identity in Jesus. Okay, we must know who we are in him. Our identity has to be found in Jesus. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 and 7 this morning. And I want to start out with this thought, and I want you to think on it long and hard. Okay, your activity in life flows from your identity, not the other way around. Okay? Again, your activity in life flows from your identity, not the other way around. Your activity flows from whatever you believe to be true about yourself, about life, about God. And again, your activity, your thoughts, your words, your actions, they all flow from your identity. Do you know who you are in Jesus? So if we believe in God and his word, do we see ourselves as God sees us? Do we see what he sees in us, okay? And I want to look at an unlikely character this morning who actually struggled to see himself as God saw him as well. His name is Gideon, and it's a story of identity and and how he wasn't truly looking at himself the way God did. And and before we kind of jump into this story in Judges 6, I want to give a little bit of context and background of what was going on. Um, Multiple times in their story, things like this happened to them, okay? Uh, the, the Israelites, they are ruled here by people called the Midianites. They had actually been ruled over them by this time for seven years. And the Midianites were not nice people. They were cruel. They destroyed the Israelites' crops. They took all their cattle. Things were going so bad for the Israelites that they were actually hiding in caves. And that's what they're dealing with as we, as we get into this story today. There are, things are not going well for them. So they begin to cry out to God to save them. Just like they had done in the past. They're saying, God, do something. Look at our circumstance here. So then God begins to search for someone who would rescue them, someone who would let God use them in a mighty way to deliver his people again, because they had a habit of doing this. And he was looking for someone who would see themselves as God sees them. And we know often how God does things, at least I've experienced it and I've seen it happen. He chooses incredibly unlikely people to do extraordinary things. He does it all the time. So we're going to jump into the word, and I want to look at Gideon's story here in in just four different ways, and ask yourself this morning, what can I learn from this? How can I start seeing myself the way that God sees me? And the first thing that I want to talk about this morning is potential. Okay? Judges 6, we're going to start at verse 11. Potential. Okay? Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah which belonged to Joash of the clan of Bezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, if you're someone that attends on Wednesday nights, I've covered this story, we studied it, and I'm going to compact it down to an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, You guys don't laugh anymore, I guess. (laughs) Now, This scripture doesn't mean a whole lot to us, but a wine press was essentially just a hole in the ground, okay? And Gideon is threshing wheat, which is separating the grain from the chaff, in a hole. Now, normally you'd want to do this where there was wind because the wind would actually help you separate it. But here he is in this passage, and he's terrified. He's afraid of the Midianites. 
And he has two different enemies kind of going on here within himself. He has the Midianites, that's an external enemy, and he also has this internal fear and anxiety going on inside of himself. And does anybody in here deal with fear and anxiety ever in your life? For Gideon, you know, maybe it wasn't fear, but some bitterness going on inside of him. God, look at this mess that we're in. Look at this mess that you've gotten me into. And, and I've been here where he's at right now, and I've said, God, look at this mess. Look what's happening. Anybody else ever felt like that before? Want to be honest this morning? But you feel like you're hiding in a hole in the ground. You don't want anyone to find you because you're dealing with some stuff. But anyway, no matter what, Gideon is in a hole when he has this first experience with God. And if you look at verse 12 here, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, (laughs) in a hole in the ground, the Lord is with you. And this is really my favorite part of this story, because if you think about it, Gideon's down in this hole, and this angel appears to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, if I'm Gideon, I might have this thought in my mind, are you making fun of me? You making fun of me right now? Because I'm hiding in this hole, and this angel's showing up and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And, and I'm sure he was also probably like, are you, are you talking to me down here? I mean, I'm, I'm in this hole. I'm no mighty hero. And this is something, again, we see throughout Scripture that God sees potential in people well before they even see it. He sees it in us. And God has perspective and insight way beyond what we can even think or imagine ourselves. And in this moment, God is offering Gideon a new vision for his life. A new way to see himself like God sees him. Something that maybe Gideon can't see because at this point, he is everything but a mighty hero. So Gideon asked, why is this happening to us in verse 13? Isn't this something that we do as people a lot as well? Why is this happening to me? Where are you at, God? How could you let this happen? And then Gideon starts listening to all of his weaknesses. He starts listing all of his weaknesses and his shortcomings. I've been there. I've done that. Judges 6, 15 says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. At this point, Gideon's like, you've got, God, you've got the wrong guy for this. You've made a mistake. Telling God he's made a mistake. (laughs) The perfect God. I'm definitely not the guy for the job. And I know we felt like this before. And as you study the story, you find that Gideon was born in a town called Ophrah, which in Hebrew it means the place of dustiness. What a great place for a hero to be born. Not only that, he says, I'm the wrong one to pick out of our family. I'm the runt. I'm the little weak guy. And then the Lord says this to him in verse 16. I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So again, pausing and putting ourselves into this story, Gideon does what a lot of us would do. We start listing all of our inadequacies, our imperfections, all the reasons that God couldn't be talking to us. Lord, you don't know what I've done in my life. Yes, he does. (laughs) You don't understand how bad I am. And God says, I am with you. And listen, we're going to feel like failures at times, but we've got to remember that God's with us. Just like we talked about last week. And you might feel like damaged goods, but God is with you. You might feel like your past is way too dark and too bad, but God is with you. You might see all your faults and your shortcomings, but God is with you. 
You may tell God that he should choose someone else, but he's telling you this morning, I am with you. I'm with you. And the reason many of us can't see God's plan for our lives is because we don't see ourselves the way that he sees us. <clears throat> and I think that that's what keeps some of us in hiding. We live in this fear and anxiety, and, it, and sometimes it actually cripples us from doing anything for the Lord. God brought you into existence on purpose and for a purpose, okay? You're not an accident. You're not junk. You're not garbage. He brought you into this world and put breath in your lungs, and he is with you, and he has a purpose for your life. Second thing this morning, okay, the potential, but now let's look at peace. Anybody need peace in their life? Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So Gideon, again, still not sure. And again, I can, under, I can understand where he's coming from. So he asked God for a sign. Anybody ever done that? Lord, I need a sign from heaven that you would like to do this or that you want to be a part of my life. And, and Gary Rayburn in his testimony shares about this. He has to give Gary multiple signs, <laughs> bigger ones each time that I'm with you and I'm in this, right? We do this. So he asked God for a sign and he leaves and prepares an offering of goat meat and bread. And then he returns and God asks him to place the goat meat and bread on a rock. And here's what happens in verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. So when Gideon sees this happen, he knows that he has seen a glimpse of God's power. He's seen it. You're Gideon, you're still unsure of things, and you see this fireball just flare up out of nowhere and it burns up this meal. And he knows he's seen God's power here. And here's how he responds in verse 24. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And the altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abizar to this day. And as he builds this altar, Gideon's saying, I don't want to forget this moment with God. I don't want to forget it. I want to remember it. He experienced the power in the presence of God here. And so he wants to build something because the Israelites had this amnesia problem when it came to the things that God did for them. People in here today have this spiritual amnesia problem of things God has done in your life in the past. He's still with you. He can still do it today. We might be facing a battle or struggle right now and we forget all that God has done in our lives and how he's always taken care of us before and he's brought us through whatever we've had to deal with. He is faithful, even when we are not. And he doesn't want to forget, so he builds this altar, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And for the first time since they were invaded, which was seven years, Gideon feels at peace. And he calls this place, the Lord is my peace, and yet... This is the cool thing here, the powerful thing. His circumstances right then still have not changed, but he had peace. They're still under the Midianite rule. They're still fearing for their lives. Nothing out there in his life has changed, but now he is saying, the Lord is my peace. And so today we need to know that, that, that peace is not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of God. 
Again, peace is not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of God. It's God's presence in the midst of the chaos that's going on in your life. It's remembering again and again what God is promising to Gideon, that I am with you. Don't lose sight of me in the midst of this. And some of you guys here this morning may be facing circumstances where things are actually falling apart in your life right now. And if that's you, I want to ask you something. Are you trying to fix it in your own power? Are you allowing God to do it in his power? Because God sees us in our brokenness. He sees us in our pain. God's word says that he suffers with us and he's near to the brokenhearted. I've experienced this over the course of the last year. He's been with me. He's helped me in my broken heart. But to fight external battles, we need internal power. And that's found in Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit within us. We all have external battles, whether we're in one right now or not. We'll face them and when we do, we need this internal power within us relationships, finances, health, addiction, whatever it is. But again, the peace of God is not the absence of fear, it's the presence of God in your life. And repeatedly in the Bible, you will find fear not for, I am with you, I'm with you. So there's potential, there's the peace. The third thing I wanna look at this morning is the test. Part of the reason Israel is in this mess is because they have been worshiping false gods, again. And even more, they've been trying to have it both ways, half in and half out relationship with God. How many knows that doesn't work? But you still do it? <laughs> We're like that sometimes. I'm all in on a Sunday morning, but I also have all this other stuff in my life that I'm holding on to the rest of the week. That's the kind of situation the Israelites are in here, and they wanted it both ways. Going on to verse 25. That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. So he's got a spiritual test here. He's also got a relational test. The spiritual one's pretty obvious. God is, is reiterating the command that you shall now have no other gods before me. God's not interested in being in our top five this morning. He wants to be number one, Right? If it's not complete surrender and allegiance to God, it just doesn't work in your life. So it's a spiritual test, but it's also a relational test. You know why? In that scripture, whose altar is he supposed to tear down? Whoa, his father's. Yikes. I'm sure that's a little awkward for him. That'll make the family holidays a little more comfortable or uncomfortable for Gideon. He has to go tear down his dad's altars. He has to be thinking that my family has this long line of relatives who have been lukewarm to God. So he has to wonder how his family is going to respond to this. And sometimes our toughest ministry is under our own roof. I don't really care. I care. This is going to sound bad. I don't care what you look like inside of here because everybody puts on that good show. I care about what you look like outside of here. If you're winning at work, some of you are pretty successful in your jobs, and that's wonderful. God's blessed you with that. If you're winning at work, but you're failing at home, you are failing. Let me say that again because it got real quiet. If you're winning at work and doing a great job, but you're failing in your home, you're failing. 
Your greatest ministry is what's happening under your roof. And I'll be vulnerable this morning, okay? I know I'm not always the best father. Brylin can amen that if she would amen. I wasn't the best, best father to Jackson. Now he's gone. There's some regrets. I'm not always the best husband. If Sarah was here, she would amen. I don't always lead well. I don't always make enough time for my family. I have a short temper sometimes. I can get distracted. Sometimes I try to, try to do too much. But again, our greatest ministry is what's happening inside our homes. It's about what God is actually doing outside of here. And that's when I can tell in myself and in you guys if you're getting this faith and surrender thing right, how are you living outside of here? So Gideon goes and he accepts his test from God and he tears down the altars. But this is also kind of funny because when does he do this? What time of day is it? Night. <laughs> I'm going to do this, God, but I'm just going to wait till this evening when everybody's you know, off in their homes and the lights are out. You know, Maybe nobody's going to see me do this because he's a little anxious about it. But he does it and God takes that little bit of faith and obedience from Gideon and he begins to use him. So another question this morning, what is that thing in your life that needs to come down? That's between you and God. What needs to be torn down? What's that thing that's keeping you lukewarm or half in and half out with Jesus? Is God asking you to get rid of something or tear something down in your life that you've been running to for your identity, but it's actually holding you back from the things of God and how he sees you? Potential, peace, a test, and the last thing I want to look at is the victory. The victory. And it begins for, for Gideon in verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizar came to him. And I love where it says that the Spirit of God clothed him with power. And again, it's like God is saying, I'm the closest thing to you. I'm surrounding you, I'm giving you strength, I'm giving you courage. And then there's this massive transformation in Gideon from that point on. And if you read through Judges 6 and 7, this, this is actually a turning point in his life. He starts to feel like a different person. He is now seeing himself as God sees him. So he blows the trumpet and rallies everyone together. Thousands of people rally around Gideon. The very same guy that was hiding in a hole... In fear, now he's got 32,000 people have responded to his call and they say, I will follow you. 32,000, that sounds like a lot of people, but the Midianites actually had 135,000. And I'm not very good in math, but even I know those odds aren't great for them. <laughs> so 135,000 versus 32,000, and God tests him even more. Verse 2 of chapter 7, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. What? If I let, you, let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. And the story continues on in Judges 7, 4 through 6. I won't read it, but eventually God takes Gideon's army down to these 300. 300 to fight an army of 135,000. That's about 450 to 1. Perfect. Thank you, Lord, for taking us down to these odds, right where we want them. But here's what he said, what God says to him in verse 7. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. 
So Gideon trusts God even though it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to him. In the middle of the night, Gideon rallies these 300 and then he arms them with three pretty, pretty typical items of warfare. Are you ready for this? All right, everyone, here's your torch. It's all right. Here's the trumpet. And don't forget your clay pot. Let's go to war. Now, if you're one of these 300 men, are you worried about Gideon at this point? Okay, guys, I think he's actually lost his mind. It's 3 a.m., get up, let's go to battle. Again, here's your clay pot, your trumpet, your torch. This is what we're going to battle with, Gideon. This is what you give us. And here's what happens in verse 20. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. In an instant, 300 men defeat an army of 135,000. And I've said all this to say this, sometimes God's plan on paper will not make any sense to us. But trust who he is, what he's saying, and who he is in you. If everything in your life makes sense right now, you might want to ask yourself who's really in control of it. God wants our surrender more than our strategies. And he's not opposed to strategies. Those are good. But he wants our surrender more than anything else. You can have it all, God. I surrender to you. And he may ask you at times, are you going to trust your plan or are you going to trust what I can do and who I am in you? Are you going to trust me? So going over these four things again, some of us are on the verge of potential. You may feel like you're hiding in a hole or or you're bitter towards God because of your current circumstances in life, but God has a different vision for your life than what you're seeing right now. He doesn't see you like you're seeing yourself. He wants to give you a new set of eyes Because identity always precedes behavior. We need to see ourselves the way God sees us and help others do the same. And there will be times when things get tough, but we need to remind ourselves that God's with me in this. He's with me. You may not be like Gideon and saying, how can I save Israel? But maybe you're saying, how can I save my marriage? How can I save my kids that are on the wrong path right now? How can I save my business that seems to be going under right now? And the answer is, you can't, but God can, and he wants to. And some of us, you know, maybe it's not the potential thing, you're needing peace. You don't need a fireball to burn up a pot roast for you right now, but you need some peace in your life. You're ready to experience God's power personally for yourself. Maybe you've been sitting in church a long time, but you've never really experienced God. That happens to people. Maybe your prayer today is, God, would you do something this morning in my life? Make yourself real to me and pray that God would powerfully move in your life. Some of you this morning may be in the test stage. It could be a test at work, at home, at school, in a relationship. And my question for you, if you're dealing with this testing right now, is 
is who's going to have or what's going to have first place in your life. Who's really on the throne of your life? Is it the status? Is it your career? Is it money? Is it relationships? And those aren't bad things, but sin isn't just loving the wrong things. Sometimes it's loving the right things in the wrong order. When we don't put God in the number one spot of our lives, things don't tend to go well for us. So you may need to put him first in your life this morning. And the fourth thing, as some of us are ready for victory, we're ready for it. The odds might not be in your favor this morning. You might be looking at what feels like something that's impossible. And I'm telling you, a little over a year ago, I was looking at it like that. And some days after he passed, this is impossible, God, to continue doing this. But what, what matters most is, is not the obstacles, is not the battles that are in front of you, but that God who lives inside of you. That's what matters most. It's not the hills or the mountains that you have to climb in life, but the God who lives within us. Because really, if you think about it, as a believer, the forces that are against us right now are way more than 135,000. All the forces of evil, of sin, of de and death. How many, how many with all of that did God send to come against all of it? One. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> his name is Jesus. He's greater. And here's a little spoiler. Most of you guys know this. He already won. He already won and the battle has already decided. We are victorious as believers. In Jesus, we have all the resources that we could ever need. If we are in Christ, we lack nothing. Nothing. That's our identity and that's who we are in him. The praise team will come on back up. If you go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 4. 1 John 4, verse 4. It says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He's greater than anything you've done. He's greater than anything you've had done to you. You cannot be made valuable because you already are valuable to him. You have so much worth because you were bought at such a high price. And I want to tell some people in here this morning, your pain may explain you, but it does not have to define you. Your success and failures may explain you, but they don't have to define who you are. And why do we forget this? Why are we so forgetful like they were? We're so prone to spiritual amnesia. Sometimes we need a refresher of our, identi our identity in Jesus. When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we take on that identity. It's him. We're living in him. He's living in us. And this is how God sees us. Children of the King of Kings. We stand this morning.
I want to read off some things that you guys are right now. You may not understand it, but as believers, you need to know it. You need to remember it, okay? You are forgiven. So whatever you've done, whatever, wherever you've messed up, any mistakes you've made, you're forgiven. You are no longer a slave to sin. I don't have to walk that way anymore. You're a part of God's family. You are a child of God. You are accepted. You are free in Jesus' name. You are a new creation. You are holy and blameless before God. You are precious to him. You are irreplaceable. You are worth dying for. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are set apart. You are free from condemnation. You are made complete. You are God's masterpiece and you are loved this morning. What God sees and what God says about you is the most important thing about you. No one, no one, no one, no one has a right to define you except the one who created you. And he says you are loved. Do we actually believe all of it? Do we actually see ourselves as God sees us? And it's hard to expect God to be the source of our identity if we're letting everything else in life be the source of what is forming us. Does that make sense? It's hard to expect God to be the source of our identity if we're letting everything else in life be the source of what is forming us. What if we woke up every day and, and we recognized that God sees the best in me? God loves me. We're the ones that he loves. And if we'll believe it, if we'll live it out each day, can you imagine what that would do in your life? And right now you may only see a mess, but God sees what you're becoming. He sees you, he loves you, and he keeps coming after you. And some of you guys in here this morning are sick of looking at yourselves in negative ways. And I want you to understand this morning, God sees you and he loves you. And you need to know who you, what he sees in you. You need to see yourself the way God does. So if you're in here this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to worship. I'm going to open up these altars. And some of you need to come. You need to come up here. You need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. You need to stop beating yourself up over mistakes or this or that. And you need to understand how God sees you. And you need to walk in that. That you are loved, you're forgiven. All those things I mentioned, that is you. If you don't know Jesus this morning as your Savior, you can experience the same thing. That God loves you so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to die for you. So as we open up these altars, please come. Please come and, and, and know that God wants to move in your life and he wants to show you how he sees you. He wants to move in a powerful way in your life this morning. Some of you need to experience that for the very first time. God's power. God's power. So Lord, we just praise you right now. We thank you for who you are. God, help us this morning 
to see ourselves in no other way except how you see us. Lord, our identity has to flow from that place. And when we see that, Father, when we operate from that place, things will change in our lives. And the enemy will no longer have a hold of us, deceiving us and shouting lies into our minds because we're seeing ourselves as you see us. We just praise you and we thank you, God. We ask right now that your Holy Spirit just convict people to come, to come, to come. Anybody that's dealing with, any, with anything right now, God, that is contrary to what you say about them, let them come to you right now, God, and experience your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship this morning and pray. Be still.
you to respond and I'm praying that you don't wait don't ignore the Holy Spirit calling out to you some of your marriages are hinging on you surrendering and I'm talking about marriages in the church house they are hinging on you guys surrendering to the Lord
there are still people dealing with addictions. You need to surrender to the Lord. It's okay to come in here broken and messed up, but if the Lord, the Holy Spirit is calling out to you, it's not okay to ignore him. Stop ignoring the signs that he's trying to put in front of you. They are not going to fix themselves. You need to surrender to the Lord, whatever it is. can't fix things by yourself. You've got to let him fight your battles. you got to let him in the midst of what you're going through. you got to let him in. Father, right now we just praise you. We worship you. Lord, I'll just wait a minute. If you're tugging on hearts right now, I don't want to miss it, God. I don't want them to miss it. It's complete surrender as a disciple of Jesus. Complete surrender. of God in your life and not the constant turmoil, complete surrender. Complete surrender. And please remember activity in life flows from your identity. What you identify, who are you identifying with right now in your life? That's where the activity, the things you're doing, the things you're saying, that's what's flowing. That's where it's flowing from. If you find that you're doing things and you're saying things that aren't of God, you're flowing from an identity other than the one he wants you to flow from. Know who we are in Jesus. from that. Praise your name, Jesus. We worship you. We surrender to you this morning, Father. Lord, even right there in their seat, minister to their hearts right now, Father. Let them surrender. Let them surrender to you. 
every hurt, every pain, things that were done to them, things they've done to others, surrender right now. We've got to give you control, God. We've got to give you control. And trust you. Trust you. always open through the week if you feel like you can't get up here in front of people and you need to talk you can come talk my number is 231-4715 if you need something God just wants complete surrender of our of our hearts and our lives to him and for us to see ourselves as he sees us and to operate from that Father, again, we praise you. We thank you for being in this place today. Go with us. Empower us, Father, to do what you called us to do. Let us see the moments when we can lead people to your love. Let's be obedient to things you ask us to do throughout the week. Lord, submit our, our spouses, our families, our friends to you. Lord, again, let us see ourselves as you see us and operate from that place. We praise you this morning and thank you for what you did in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Remember, no service this Wednesday night. We've got junior high camp. Be in prayer for that. I want to see junior high kids' lives change this week in a powerful way, all right? Love you guys. Appreciate you. You are not dismissed, you are sent. Have a great week.